Welcome to the Kata Brothers Travel Club, a new podcast where we explore some of the world's best destinations through the stories and experiences of locals and people that have had meaningful adventures there. We may be stuck in quarantine because of the COVID-19 pandemic, but that doesn't mean that we can't explore the world. Join us, and no matter where you go, you'll always feel like a local. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Kata Brothers Travel Club. I'm Jared Kata. And I'm Brendan Kata. Brendan, how are you doing today? Another day, another week in quarantine. I just want to check in on you. How, how are you feeling? Man, it's starting to feel long. That yeah. I'm pretty ready for like businesses to be back open and to at least like, I don't know, have things to look forward to about the weekend that aren't just like cleaning up around the apartment and watching movies. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely agree with you. For me, uh, this has been a a good week. I feel like things kind of come in, in waves when I'm like, I'll, every once in a while, I'll be like taking the garbage out wearing full PPE and I'm just like, this sucks. <laughs> but today is a great day because for one, I, I got the website up and running. Yeah, that's a huge development. We bought the domain. You can now find us at katabrotherstravelclub.com. It's, it's a official. Get. Yeah, it's Surprised a Surprised that wasn't taken. Right. I know. <laughs> <laughs> now, the website is your creation, your baby. You put a lot of time and effort into this. Could you walk our listeners through a little bit of what they can find on our website? Absolutely. The homepage, the landing page, if you will, when you first go to katabrotherstravelclub.com, is links to the podcast to listen on either Spotify or Apple Podcasts. The other thing that we have on there is, of course, contact info. So if you want to uh, reach out to us to tell us a travel story, if you want to reach us to, out to us to just talk about exploring, then you can definitely do so right on our website. And one other exciting part of the, the website is our blog page. And that's where we post everything from our city guides to just regular travel essays that we've been working on for a long time. I have a whole notebook full of travel essays and this is really exciting to finally have a home for them uh, and hopefully people enjoy them. And hopefully once things go back to normal, we'll see people using our city guides as they get back to traveling. Yeah, that's something I'm really excited to use once things start to open back up is just having an easy way to look back through all of the places that I need to hit in these cities that we've you know, explored. Brent, before we introduce the location for this episode, I wanted to give a huge shout out to our dad, Jeff Cotta. Our dad designed the Cotta Brothers Travel Club logo, and you can find it when you open up uh, any of our episodes. It's the front page of, of the podcast. It's right on the front of the website. And he worked with us to create our vision for how we wanted the image of Cotta Brothers Travel Club to, to be to the public. Yeah. Yeah, we spent probably a, a good couple weeks just going back and forth, getting the base design down and then making little tweaks. And dad was always ready to go in, rework it how he thought we, we wanted it and send us back what he had. And it was it was a lot of work and I think it turned out amazing. Yeah, I'm super happy with it. I mean, I think it captures the adventurous spirit. It's kind of old school, uh, got that retro feel. And what I really love about it 
is that we did everything within the family, you know, and, and that was some another part, or I guess that is really the spirit of this project in general. We were trapped in quarantine. We had this time on our hands and we set out to create a podcast in like less than a month. And through yours and, and my talent behind the mic and the rest of our family's support, sometimes just for morale and other times like literally through creating things to help us uh, build this project up, we, we got Cotter Brothers Travel Club off the ground and um, we just hit over 100 listens, which is really cool. But anyways, I, another huge thank you to dad for what he has done for this podcast and, and all that he has thrown into it when he really didn't have to. So yeah. thanks, Dad. Thanks, Dad. Okay, now let's move on to introducing the location for this episode. On this episode, we explored the untapped beauty of Iceland. Seeing it on a map, nearly touching the North Pole, you'd be forgiven for thinking that Iceland has little more to offer than windswept fields of glaciers and snow. In reality, Iceland is covered in stunning waterfalls, natural hot springs, and active volcanoes. The country became known as the land of fire and ice because of the elemental wonders on display all across the country, each one a testament to the true power of Mother Nature. In recent years, Iceland has become a hotspot for avid adventurers and thrill-seekers looking for an outdoor experience unlike any other. Travelers arrive in Reykjavik, the capital of Iceland and the center for culture and commerce in the country. Reykjavik is packed with lively locals, hearty food, and beautiful architecture, with the great Hallgrimskirkja church serving as a man-made centerpiece. From the capital city, visitors can embark on an adventure around the Golden Circle, a road around the island that'll take you to many of the country's most beautiful landmarks. Along this route, you can soak in the mineral-rich waters of the natural hot springs, hike through basalt mountains to magnificent waterfalls, and admire the true power of Earth's volcanic activity. Most visitors come to Iceland in the warmer summer months, but those that brave the chilly autumn and winter will have the chance to see one of the most impressive displays of natural beauty that Iceland has to offer. When the long nights take over, you can experience the breathtaking northern lights that defy imagination and leave residents and travelers alike in awe. It's easy to be inspired by Iceland. It's a country where adventure and exploration are ingrained in the culture, and civilization coexists with the nature around it. Every year, more and more tourists are discovering just how much this unique destination has to offer. So grab your hiking boots, pack some warm clothes, and prepare for an unforgettable trip. Iceland is waiting for you. Thanks for giving us the background info on Iceland. That was a, a great job. I know I did the first five episodes, but um, you really, really nailed it. Thank you. Thank you. I wanted to try my hand at it. <laughs> Iceland is a location that has become pretty popular recently, and um, I haven't been myself, and I don't think you have either. I haven't, but I have a couple of good friends who just went not too long ago. I feel like everybody that goes has an incredible experience, but at the same time, I think it's really hard to find a local because, uh, you know, it's a pretty small country uh, and it's an even smaller population. You just don't find that many people living at, you know, the corners of the, of the earth like that. But most people aren't the Cotta brothers. Now, I have to be honest and give a huge shout out to our friend Simon 
from our Toronto episode because he linked us up with Brenton Mohammed, who is a soccer player in Iceland, and he is a professional soccer player who's played all across the world. He'll go into a little bit more about that in this episode. He has lived in Iceland for quite a while, and he was gracious enough to show us around the country. Without further ado, here is our interview with Brenton. In preparation for this interview, I watched all of your, your YouTube videos and all your highlights. Yep. What do you think is your, is your best game of all time? Uh, hard for me to single that down. I'm going to say I had a game in college against Yukon, uh, and it was on ESPN2, I believe. Uh, it was a inaugural AAC championship game in Dallas, Texas. And uh, we, it was nil-nil after normal time went all the way through double overtime and then it went to PKs and I ended up saving four PKs and we won. So wow. it was really big because the other goalkeeper was the captain of Jamaica. His name is Andre Blake. He went number one in the draft. The first goalkeeper to ever do it. And the only award he didn't win at college is the MVP for that tournament, which I won, which I'm, I'm, I'm obviously quite happy about. But at the same time, he's still someone that I know to today. So uh, I have a good relationship with him and I see him when he plays for Jamaica because I play for Antigua. So um, that, that, was, that was pretty cool. But just in the game, I think I played pretty well. So that's probably the game I'd, I'd single out. That sounds pretty amazing. Incredible. All right, well, we're getting into a lot of pretty interesting facts already, but it's really nice to meet you. Thank you so much. Uh, can you please introduce yourself for the audience? Tell us where you're from, where you're living now, and uh, what you do, even though you kind of hinted at that in the last answer. No problem. Uh, first, first of all, thanks for having me. My, my name is Brenton Mohammed. Um, I was born in London, England. I am 29 years old. Um, I was raised in England and then I moved to America when I was 18 for college. And now currently I'm living in Iceland. And what do you do in Iceland? Because I think this is one of the most interesting things. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a professional soccer player. So when I left America, I took one year out. I was looking for a team. And uh, I ended up finding a good outfit in 2015. And uh, I signed with a team here and I've been here for, this is my sixth season. Sixth season? Yeah. That is amazing. Uh, so that, I mean, that's really incredible. That is like quite a journey from, uh, from London to, to college sports. Where else have you played though? I mean, there, there's, a, there's a national team that you play for, right? Yes, sir. Um, uh, my national team is Antigua and Barbuda which for, for people that don't know, is the, probably the most central island in the Caribbean. We, we promote ourselves as the country with 365 beaches and made my debut for Antigua in 2000 and 2010 or 11. And uh, I actually played a season, two seasons in Antigua also. So uh, I've been around a little bit. Going from a place like London and, and, and specifically going from a place like Antigua, my brother wanted to ask you a little bit of a question about then moving sure. to Iceland. Yeah, Iceland's a pretty unique place to like, have ended up in. What would you say was the hardest part about that transition from where you were living before to, uh, to Iceland? Definitely the hardest part of the transition is the weather because uh, both of the schools that I played for in, Florida, uh, in America was in Florida. So <laughs> imagine it was just like the Caribbean, nice and hot all year round. I'm talking about Christmas on the beaches. And uh, when I first came here, I was on trial and I was here in March and I mean like there was snow it was windy there was blizzards but you know as a professional you just have to 
switch your A game on and just get it in if that's what you want to do. And and that's what I had to do. And I'm here six years later, so obviously. <laughs> when when we were texting back and forth and planning this interview, you said something to me about uh, traveling and and sort of how that brought into your mind and and how those experiences are special. Can you elaborate on that? What does traveling and exploring mean to you? I mean, for me, I think. I mean, everyone knows that there's so many different cultures around the world. And uh, I've been blessed with some of the places that I've managed to go to just through football. So me playing the game of football, I've, I've managed to experience so many different people. I have friends in different walks of life. And um, I'll be amiss to say that I didn't think that travel actually broadens the mind. And it's, it's definitely expanded me as a person. And it's, it's just taught me so much about life in general. And I've made lifelong friends that, I'll have from now until the end of time. So I just think uh, when, you, when you have these experiences, it just helps you all in all in the long run. Yeah, that, that's amazing. And I, I feel like I, we both get that too when we're traveling around. And one of the big inspirations for this podcast was to talk to our friends that are all over the world. Yeah. And, and especially when we haven't visited those places yet, uh, yeah. whether it's reconnecting with somebody or establishing a relationship even though we're just in our apartment, it's been wonderful to talk to people from all over. Um, but this is our first conversation with somebody in a European country, uh, let alone somewhere as unique as Iceland. But in, in Iceland, do you live in, in the capital in, in Reykjavik or somewhere else? Well, so I've lived in three different places in Iceland. And uh, when I first came, I was closest to Reykjavik. I lived in a, a town called Thorlaksho, which is, um, it is, it's about an hour, about 45 minutes to an hour away from the capital. Then I moved to a, a town that was in the north, which is three hours away. And now I live in a town that's in the west. So it's, it's actually the furthest I've been away from the capital. It's about a six hour drive. But mm. um, this is just like so far out of the way from Reykjavik. It's like probably as far as you can get in terms <laughs> of driving. It's, uh, it's on its own little island, if you like. It's, it's so far away. Yeah, I, I was looking up uh, where your team was located and I was like, wow, really? that's such an amazing place. Wow. <laughs> I mean, what a unique pretty day. beautiful being here, but the actual drive coming back and forth from uh, when we got to play matches, that six hours, it doesn't get any shorter. I bet. Well, not to be, I don't want to offend anybody, but we may have some questions that are specific to the capital just because I think a lot of people are, are traveling through that city. Um, but also Iceland in general. So uh, hopefully that's not offensive to anybody if we focus on uh, Reykjavik. And hopefully I'm saying it correctly. I think that you'll probably agree with me when I say that food is one of those important parts of any travel experience. So yeah. we, we usually start off with the best things to eat because that's usually you get off a plane and that's what you go right to doing. So let's say my brother and I land in, in Iceland. In your opinion, what is the must-hit restaurant in Reykjavik, uh, the best dinner in the city? The best dinner in the city? There's, there's a few places. Um, I'm going to say there's a restaurant. I can't think of the name off the top of my head. I think the restaurant's called Salt. And it's, uh, it's right downtown in the capital. And it, most of the places I've been in Iceland, the lamb is really, really good. I think mm. a lot of lamb is locally harvested. And uh, particularly in the west where I live, they they have like a gate in the road on on two sides, and the the sheep roam free all year round. Uh, so they obviously they can't pass the grid, so they're just given that side of the island to just roam free. 
And I don't know if it's because they're roaming free, but the, the quality of the meat is is it's none that I've had before anywhere else in the world. So I'll mm. definitely say in Iceland to try the lamb because it's it's unbelievable. And uh, that particular restaurant, I think, had the had the the best lamb dish that I've had. Okay, put that on the list. Now, there's one thing about Iceland that I hear from travelers and that it can get a little bit expensive. When you're talking about food, though, you being a local now, where is there an affordable meal that you can get? Um, when it comes to affordable meals, I would just say good luck because I don't, I don't many places where I, the way I look at it, because I've lived here for so long, when I'm here, I try not to get into the whole conversion rate in my head but obviously that's me living as a person that's here as a tourist coming in i would say just expect it to be more expensive but they, they, there are things like there are subway here and kfc you are going to pay a little bit more but um i suppose you are you are getting it for cheaper than a, a local meal if you were sitting down in a restaurant so i think that's the only positive way you can look at it but if you're here you kind of do get your wage and kind of things kind of weigh out so it's a little bit different but as a tourist yeah. I think you've just got to kind of bite the bullet, bite the bullet a little bit and just get on with it. <laughs> There's just no, we, we did an interview with people in Singapore and a friend in Taiwan. And both of those cultures are strong, like street vendors where like you yeah. get a meal for like two USD. I'm yeah. guessing, I guess that's not the thing. In, <laughs> in uh, if you find a meal for two USD, I would say don't eat it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, last question on the food topic. And I think that, Maybe most travelers won't necessarily experience this given what times people go there. But when it is painfully cold in Iceland, what is the best meal to have? Oh, okay. that's a good question, actually. Um, again, I'm going back to lamb, but this is a, the traditional lamb soup in Iceland. But there's a lot of hotels and guest houses that make their own version of the soup. And it has uh, carrots. It's got a nice lamb broth. It's got chunks of the meat in there. And... That is really good, especially when it's cold. You can warm up the soup to like that like boiling point and you just sip away. That soup is really good. They give you like homemade bread and stuff to go with it. Spot on. Yeah, I think they're quite big on bread here as well because the bakeries do a different selection of lots of bread. So the town that I lived in in the north called Saudakroka has a bakery that is really, really good. I think it's maybe one of the best in the country. I know people from Saudakroka at least say that. So oh, that's uh, awesome. Do you know what it's called? Um, I think it's just called Saudakroka Bakery. Easy to find. Yeah, it's definitely easy to find. It's right in the middle of the town. We've got solid recommendations for food to eat when we land in Iceland. Sure. And we've like been there for a little bit and, you know, we want to go out, kind of experience the nightlife of the, of the city and the area. What would you say would be a good neighborhood to visit that has a lot of good like bars and things to do for nightlife? Okay, so for Iceland, it, there's one strip in Reykjavik where all the nightlife is. So you... You almost can't go, you can't get lost. The The main road where all the action is in terms of like where all the tourists go, if they want to get something to eat or if they're just looking at the, the the famous church that's in Reykjavik, if they're doing any of that, it's all on the same road. So they, you can't miss it. Some of the restaurants turn into bars at nighttime. They don't have any uh, specific nightlife clubs that are just clubs. It, most of the places are places that are restaurants during the day that turn into bars and nightclubs at night. So me being born in London, obviously the nightlife is, is totally different. It's just, there's places that are just designated nightclubs and they only open at night. But here, it's just one strip. It's, it's probably about a mile long. You just choose which one you want to go into. What, what's that street called? 
Um, I don't even know the name of it. I can't pronounce it. I don't even want to say it. <laughs> I'll, we'll look it up and put it on the website. <laughs> I'm just going to call it Main Street Iceland. That's what I'm going to say. So that's, that's great. So thinking about this strip, we consider ourselves to be kind of like dive bar connoisseurs. We were wondering what your favorite dive bar or more hole-in-the-wall pub in Iceland. Oh, I'm trying to think of the name. There's a bar that I would say a lot of tourists go to um, that is called American Bar. <laughs> it's <hungry. laughs> And uh, they've, they've actually got some, there's got some cool beers and stuff in there. But across, across the road, there's an Irish bar. And I don't know the name of it off the top of my head. But um, it's a little bit smaller, a little bit more confined. It's got a bit more of a family feel, sort of local. But it's, it's Irish in Iceland. And they've got, like a, they've got like live singers. And they've got a, a, a larger draft selection from a few different places, maybe some craft beers, if you're into that stuff. I would say that that spot there, the Irish spot, the, the Irish bar that's across the road, is probably more down your street what you're looking for. <laughs> <laughs> now, now, I heard something that's kind of like a fun fact about Iceland, which was that beer was illegal until like the late 80s. Did you know that? I wasn't aware of that at all. They drink beer. <laughs> maybe you're right. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever the case is, is there like a famous uh, Icelandic beer? Um, they've got a beer here called Gull, which is G-U-L-L. And it's just like, a, just like a regular beer, like a Heineken, I suppose, or a Stella. Mm. It's, it's just a, it's a good Icelandic beer. It's just, you know I mean, a good price and you can, you can get everything done with that beer. <laughs> I like how that's put. <laughs> All right, good. I mean, that, like Brandon said, that makes it easy. When you go there and you're trying to get, have a good time or get drunk, then you got one street to worry about and uh, it's all congregated there. But I guess that Iceland's not necessarily all about the drinking or the food per se. Um, there's obviously a lot of culture. It's a really unique history. And a lot of people recommend different things to see like on, on lists and travel sites. Brendan and I have this set of questions that we try to ask everybody that kind of gets sure. to how should we spend our time when we're talking about the culture of a destination. So I, I want to know, I'll start off on like the negative side and Brendan will be more positive. What is the most overrated site that people tend to go to, but you think is maybe not that cool? That's a good question. Um, I can't really say that I've been to an overrated tourist attraction. Um, wow, I, high praise. I, I can think of places that I wouldn't go and stay for a long while, but on a first visit, I can see how it takes your breath away. So I hope that answers your question, but I haven't been somewhere and I'm like, what's the big fuss about? But I, I would say Iceland is the first place I've been, and I hope this is not knocking on any other questions, but it's the first place I've probably been in the world where the nature is like untouched. Yeah. There's, cause you can go, to, you can just be driving on like one of the motorways and just see a view and stop the car and just stand there and stare for 20 minutes. That is awesome. No, I mean, that answers the question pretty well. And I think that maybe it kind of gets us into what Brendan was going to ask about, which I guess we would kind of rephrase it as what is something off the beaten path? Because we were usually asked about like underrated, but apparently there's hardly any rating at all in Iceland. <laughs> I mean, uh, something that a lot of people probably don't, uh, a lot of tourists don't get to see. The, the Blue Lagoon is the famous hot springs that everyone comes and visits. 
but there's lots of little hot springs because it's literally just like a hole in the ground that has water that gets heated up by the, the volcanic uh, gases that come out the ground. But there's lots of, of these hot springs in different areas. And there's one in particular in the first town I moved to, about 20 minutes away, there's a town called, I hope I pronounce this right, Hedegurdi. And okay. our trek that you do by walking. And then when you get to the end of the trek, which is like, like over mountains, over hooks and ridges, you get to the hot, uh, the hot spring. And depending on where you go in the hot spring, you can go close to the mountain, which is really hot, or downstream a little bit, which is uh, a little bit cooler. And people go, they bring beers, they go with their friends, and they just chill out and spend the day there. So you get a trek, you get the views, and then when you get to the end, you, you get to get in the hot spring, and that's totally free. You've just got to walk the trail on your own. That is, sounds amazing. Wow. Are there any other specific natural sites that you highly recommend for someone on their adventure to Iceland? Um, it's not particularly uh, an event, but if you can come here during the Northern Lights, when the, I can't pronounce the scientific name again. Aurora um, Borealis. You're much better than I am. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you can come at a time of the year where it's, it's dark, um, I think January or maybe December, are probably the best months. Anywhere outside of Reykjavik, just a little bit where the, the, the city lights from the, the buildings are not taking up the illumination in the sky. I would say things, natural things I've seen in my life, that is definitely in the top three, without a doubt. It, breathtaking is the only word I can use. It, when you look up and you see something like that, it, with your eyes, it's just HD and it's, it's surreal. You're, you're looking at it and you're, you're trying to gather words to describe what it looks like, but you just have to experience it to, to understand what it's like. The first time I saw it, I was like, this is unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. I think that if you can brave the cold and, and get up there, then it's gotta be one of the, the best things that you can do on a, on a trip. Definitely, definitely. I think um, the, it, the Northern Lights are, I think they're underrated because they, people come here for like the Blue Lagoon and they come for like, some of the other parts, but I, I literally think the Northern Lights would be, if someone was telling me, that's what I would be going to see. And if we were trying to say, get up to parts of, of the country where you can see the, the Northern Lights the best, are there, is there any town that you recommend or city you recommend staying in? Um, not really. If you, as long as you drive outside of the city, as far as I'm aware, as long as you're outside of the city for about an hour and a half or so, there's, I'm sure there's a website that you can, you can go and see which days that the, the Northern Lights are gonna be out the brightest or the, the most effective. Mm -hmm. As long as you're out of the city where you don't get affected by the, the, uh, the artificial lights from the buildings, then I think you're able to see it pretty clearly. You, you can't miss it. You just look up and you're in amazement. So you could stay in Reykjavik or, or literally anywhere and just be an hour away from seeing this. Yeah, you, you could stay in Reykjavik and just go for a drive. I'm pretty sure that some of the, like the, the, the golden circle, and they take you on the, on the trip, they take you to a couple of the, that waterfall and the geyser, and then I think the, the last spot is a particular place they take you to see the, uh, the Northern Lights on that trip. Any other national parks that uh, you think you would recommend? On that Golden Circle, I think that there's one called uh, Geyser, which is G-E-Y-S-I-R, I think that's how I spell. And it's basically just like the water shooting out the ground. Mm. It happens like every 15 minutes. And <laughs> a funny story, actually, I went with one of my friends that came over to visit me, 
and uh, we wanted to take a picture and uh, we must have turned up just after one had happened but we didn't see it so we went there's like a rope around the like a big pool of water in the ground and we went to take a picture and there was a guy that was like trying to explain to us in another language you don't want to stand that close because we hadn't seen it erupt <laughs> into the air <laughs> no no we'll be fine like can you take a picture so he stepped back to take the picture and he stepped back so far and we was like <laughs> Is he trying to take our phone or something? So we're standing there, and then we just hear like, and the water shot up, and we turned around, and the water's like a hundred feet in the air, and it's coming down like right on top of our heads. And, we're just standing there. <laughs> and the guy was like, "I was trying to tell you that the water," <laughs> and we're standing there like drenched in the water. But yeah, so if you go to see the guy, sir, please, 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 don't stand too close. <laughs> That's that's excellent advice. <laughs> that's a great story. Iceland sounds like it has a lot to offer in nature, but we're going to take a little bit of a divergence because of something that we heard about that's a, another popular tourist spot, which is the, the Penis Museum. And we wanted to ask you about that. <laughs> if you had been or know anything about it, it's pretty unique. Okay, so I've, I've heard about this, but um, I'm, I'm not into penises myself. So... <laughs> I haven't, I haven't, uh, I haven't gone in that direction to go and go and see the museum. I think, um, I mean, if you're into that, take your time out and go and view it, and then you can let me know what it's like. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, my brother has uh, one more question that usually gets us one of the best answers, I would say, for the whole show. But uh, it's very important for us, and it's not about penises. <laughs> um, so to kind of close things off. Uh, what we like to ask is, what would you say is the story that you have from Iceland that best exemplifies your experience in that country? Um, maybe it's like a most memorable day or your your best night in Iceland, but just something that really gives like, or best gives the feel of the of the destination. Oh, I mean, uh, that's a that's a big question. Um... Iceland is um, it's a it's a place of its own. If if I can, a story that um, resonates with me the most is not actually a personal story of mine. It's a close friend of mine, and uh, if you're here, you kind of understand a little bit more about the the culture. It's it's a place of its own. Like some of the the things that happen here probably wouldn't happen anywhere else in the world. And when you know Icelandic people, they're very um, uh, selfless. Like uh, my first year when I was here, I was on my way to training at the training field and I walked past um, one of the primary schools. Uh, one of the children was walking home and I was looking at my American roommate, my friend, and I was like, that child looked very young to be walking home by themselves. So I carried on walking, but I kept looking back to say, like, is there a parent or someone nearby? And this child must have been like five years old tops. And the child was walking like across a few roads to get home. That's the the, like, the houses weren't too close to where the school was. And I was thinking, like, is this not? So I asked one of my teammates, and he was like, "Yeah, the, the schools don't have fences or gates. They just it's just the building." And I was like, "This would never happen in London." And then as my years went on, there's more and more stories where things like this exist. But it it, it should be normal for us. Like, we shouldn't be worried that people are gonna that there's danger everywhere, and that children can just kind of go come and go as they please and the story that resonates with me the most is a friend of mine he was at the blue lagoon and he went with his girlfriend at the time 
and he left his wallet at the Blue Lagoon and he had like, um, like when you travel, you travel with a bit of money and whatever else and he left his wallet there. So he had driven about 20 minutes away and then realised he'd left his wallet. He turned his car around, got all the way back there and he was like, I know it's a bit strange but I, f- I thought I'd come back and ask if anyone's handed in a wallet and someone was like, uh, someone has hand- handed in a wallet, what does it look like? So once he passed all those checks, the guy brought him the wallet back and my friend got the wallet expecting the money to be gone and he opened the wallet and all the money was there. This must have been a, a, probably about the equivalent of like 400 US. And I was like, if that's London, you may get the wallet back, like a 5% chance, but it's definitely not going to have the money. <laughs> to, to sum up what Iceland's like, it is a place of its own where things like that happen a lot. I'm not saying crime doesn't exist because I'll probably be naive in saying that, but it is, it is a place of its own. And some of the things that we see as normal in other places, in busier cities, they kind of just don't happen here or they happen so rarely. So I think that kind of sums up what I would say in terms of what Iceland's all about. No, man, that's perfect. That's, that's exactly the kind of thing we're looking for. It's just like, that's awesome. It sounds like a great, a great place to visit. Yeah. Well, it sounds like a great place to live as well. Definitely. Feel happy there six years later uh, on the edge <laughs> of the world in some ways. I, I have to, I'm going to have to put a link on uh, Google Maps to show people the amazing place that you're actually uh, there day to day because you are just in an incredible location. And this has been an incredible interview. Of course, I, I have to ask, you know, once COVID-19 dies down, hopefully not too long from now, are we going to be able to come up and, and visit you? Will you take us around? There's no doubt in that. You, anytime I'm in Iceland, you've got a home, you just let me know when you're coming. I'll meet you in Reykjavik. I'll take you around. I'll show you the spots. No doubt. You just hit me up. You got my number. <laughs> That's true. That's true. It makes it easy now. Brenton, this has been a true honor and uh, a privilege for us. We assume that you're, you're in your season right now. Is that right? We're start, yeah. We, because of the COVID, we're just about to start. We're on track. So best of luck to you and, and your team. Any shout outs uh, before we, we sign off? Uh, I want to say thank you to you guys, of course, for having me. I want to say Thank you to my friend Simon, who's on the Toronto edition, um, for getting me involved. I would love to come back on if you guys will have me, because I have some stories about London and Antigua, especially my homeland. So if you would love to get me on, I've got stories about the Caribbean that I can talk about all day, because I've been blessed to, to be uh, going to a lot of different islands. So uh, I love the podcast. And guys, if you haven't listened to any others, please do tune in. Thank you so much, Brenton. We'll be talking to you soon and hopefully be seeing you soon too. Perfect. Thanks for having me, guys. Thank you so much, Brenton. That was an awesome interview. I really hope that we get an opportunity to visit you uh, and have you show us around. Brendan and I are both, ex- Brendan and I, it's, <laughs> this is a little, it's a bit challenging. Uh, and it was really hard during the interview. My brother, Brendan and I are looking forward to quite a few things that we discussed. I did want to point out for the audience uh, that when Brenton mentions the golden circle, that refers to the route around Iceland, the road around Iceland that encompasses some of the country's greatest sites. Of course, there's more to see than just those natural wonders, but if you use that guide, you're sure to see some of the most amazing things in the country. There are a lot of tour groups that will trace this route if you're interested in seeing all of the things that are included. 
Oh, I actually didn't know that. I heard that in a few things that we watched in preparation for this, and obviously when we were talking to Brenton, but I actually had no idea what that was referring to, so that's that's really helpful. Yeah, I think that that's a great travel tip uh, and one that we kind of glossed over, but I uh, wanted to review it here. The other thing that I wanted to point out was the Irish pub, the dive bar that we're obviously going to go to when we go to Iceland. I looked it up. It is right across from American Bar, which he named correctly. <laughs> American Bar sounds great. But the Irish pub that Brenton was talking about is called the Drunk Rabbit Irish Pub. Yeah, it looks pretty rowdy. You know, we have to visit a dive bar wherever we go, and I think that that might be the one for Reykjavik. I can't wait to stumble right from one into the other. Absolutely. Just across the street, American Bar, boom, <laughs> Irish Bar. Bren, what are you looking forward to most about a trip to Iceland? Obviously, the nature is an incredible part of any trip to Iceland, and I guarantee that when I go, that's a lot of what I'll be doing. But one thing from our discussion with Brenton that I'm really looking forward to is that main street in Reykjavik, which I looked it up. It's called Legavegur. It's not called Main Street Iceland. It's not called Main Street Iceland. It's not like Main Street Disney. <laughs> but it's it, just like he described this long strip that has restaurants, bars, museums, Everything's very centralized. And what I think is exciting about that is it gives me the opportunity to really experience Icelandic culture in this city where over 60% of the population lives without having to take time away from my adventuring in nature. I see. I, oh, that that's really cool. Yeah, I mean, I think that a lot of people are keenly aware of how beautiful the, the nature and the, and the country is. And, uh, you know, for me, I was really excited about exploring those hot springs near Heidegerdi, or however you say it, however you say it, um, because that sounds like an awesome hike. And then you get in the hot springs. But I think that you're right. Uh, in order to experience the culture of the country, uh, you can't just be as far away from people as possible. I like that you said that a little bit different than what most people go to Iceland to see. And of course, one thing that is has been in my mind ever since we finished that interview is how much Brenton talked about the, the Northern Lights. Yeah, he was really passionate about that. That was cool. I, I think that we often take for granted what a location has to offer when it's off peak. You know, like Iceland, a lot of people are not planning their vacation for Iceland in January or February, probably rightfully so. But at the same time, you're missing what a local would refer to as the most amazing thing you can see there. That's true. It makes me think, what are you missing out on by just planning a trip during the high season? I think it'd be interesting to, to kind of explore, and, and I'm certainly game to do a Iceland winter trip. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe like late but winter. I would do it, yeah, yeah. We'll do like a late winter, and I think it would be good as a second trip to Iceland. Mm -hmm. You know, you go first when it's a little bit more comfortable, you see all the natural sights, and then you go in winter and you see those things that what the locals really see. Yeah, I mean, it really, it really opened my eyes. And I think that everything about this country sounds incredible. So once again, we just want to thank Brenton uh, for taking time to speak with us to introduce us to such an amazing place. And once again, we hope to see him very soon. Thank you for listening to the Cotta Brothers Travel Club. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button if you're on Apple Podcasts 
or the follow button if you're listening on Spotify. That way you can be notified when new episodes drop. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at katabros underscore travel club. We're always looking for new content and everyone has a story worth telling. If you want to share something, email us at katabrostravelclub at gmail.com. No underscore on the email address. Finally, we know these are difficult times, but you're not alone. This podcast was our outlet, and so is the support of our friends and family that are helping us to make it. However, if you're feeling lost or depressed and don't have anyone to talk to, email us or DM us on social. Even if it's not about travel, we're still here to chat. If we all work together, we'll be back to adventuring soon. See you next time.